A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Yeah, we've got um, a fair amount of things. Honestly, we're going to nag people a little bit today. <laughs> but we're going to—that's what we want to say start, right off the bat. Right. You're going to want to tune in for the nagging. If yeah. you don't get enough of that in your regular <laughs> life at work or home, we're going to help you on the show today. Yeah, we're great at that. These are good little things, though. <laughs> and they're really important to do. And we're going to make it as, as painless as possible. So we're going to get to that in a little bit here. Um, at the end of the show today, what do we have? We've got... Well, we've got an interview with, with Lauren, Lauren Figueroa. Figueroa. I, and I didn't and do that right. And you'll learn throughout the show that Dan really struggles I with that name. I struggle with it, but I love it. <laughs> she said to roll the R's, and I'm not sure how to do that. Figueroa. There you go. I yeah. don't think I got even close. It sounds like I'm having some kind of medical malfunction or something. Malfunction. Physical malfunction. Yeah, that needs medical help. Anyway, Lauren Figueroa, she's a, an interior designer. Yeah. And she's got eight key design details that should be included in any kitchen remodel. Yeah. And then for those of us who can't just create a new kitchen, because some of us are on a budget. So we're talking about Dan's kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we're going to talk about cheap ways to make your kitchen look great. And a paint project is really one of the best ways to completely change the look and feel of your kitchen. Yes. We're going to walk through products and things like that. Talk about how to do that. But right now, we want to get into the nagging mm-hmm. part of the show and just get it out of the way. Because there are all kinds of little things that pile up over time that we should be doing. Right. right? Certain things that we should schedule. If we were really diligent homeowners and we had Mm -hmm. time in abundance, nothing to do but schedule and do little jobs around the house, we would do these things. We would schedule times for them. But none of us are like that. Well, there's a couple people. I think there are a couple. We don't associate with them, though. (laughs) Right? Because they make us feel bad. But but there are these little things, and we're going to highlight a few of them. There's no real cohesiveness to this other than these are just little things that you should be working on. And let's start with dryer vents. We talk about it and have talked about it on the show ad nauseum. Yes. But it's because it's so important. People are aware of the fact that they can cause fires if you're not doing this maintenance on a regular basis because... You know, we understand that Lind can catch fire and that is going to cause a lot of damage. I think we get that. We get that. But a lot of us don't believe that that's going to happen to us right. from that little exactly leaving it untouched kind of a thing. Or maybe we just don't know how often regular maintenance is for something like yeah, that. Yeah, what does regular maintenance look like? Every other day. That's what we're expecting. (laughs) Snap to it, everybody. Every other day, clean that dryer rent out. No, but once or twice a year, you should do this maintenance, which is probably more frequently than most people are doing it. See, I need to do it. In fact, I I am pretty good at this one. I do it about once a quarter. Oh, wow. And it needs it. Now, it's not as bad as you see on, you know, the internet. Well, but you have five kids. I mean, that's a lot of clothes. They're messy. They're messy. The guys in the house are hairy, so, you know, the belly button lint that binds its way into the wash. No, I don't know. That doesn't even make a lot of sense, but I like to bring belly button lint in whenever I can. Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, everybody's chewing down Cheerios, 
And I'm talking about belly, belly button, button lint. lint. You're welcome. But yes, it can pile up really fast, the lint in the washer, in Not the dryer. Your belly button. Yes. So it's important to get that stuff cleaned out. And there's a number of ways to do it. It can be relatively simple. Right. You've got to pull the unit out first. Mm-hmm. So. If you have an electric, you're going to have one of those giant plugs that's not your typical outlet on the wall. That's how you'd know. If you have a gas, there's going to be an outlet, but there's also going to be a gas line. If you have a gas, just make sure that you're being careful with that gas line so you're not running into any issues there. Right. And once you've got the dryer out, you should have access to a little duct, and that will give you the access point that you need to clean it out. Now, there's all kinds of tools that you can use to get you there. There's uh, attachments for your drill. Yes. Things like that. I use just a shop vac. I don't generally pull the dryer out every single time. I've got a full run of the vents in the basement, in an open ceiling Uh, basement. Okay. So I'm able to get at that and pull those pieces down and we run a shop vac through it. That makes sense. Clean it out. Once a year, I'll pull the dryer out and actually work on that part of it. Well, I've seen videos of people using these drill attachments to get the lint out, and they're pretty satisfying to watch. They're pulling a lot of stuff out of there. That's right. You're going to be disappointed if you don't have a lot of buildup in there. (laughs) So maybe if you're lucky, you'll see all of that come out. But really key, something that you should be working on, the dryer will function better once you do. Because if you notice that you've got to run towels through two or three times, to, to get them dry, right. a lot of the times that's part of the problem. Or if the machine feels really hot after you use it every time, or if you kind of have that burning smell in the laundry room, that's another sign that you've got way too much buildup in there. Right. So dryer vents. That's something, if you haven't done that in a while, give some thought to that today. It, it's a good project. Another one, and it, we're sticking in the laundry room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. we're, we're just moving over to the washer. The washer supply hoses... Those lines can break, and generally they run, what do they last, about three to five years is yeah, what we're three to five. seeing. And the rubber hoses are not going to have as long of a life, but they're also more inexpensive. I think that's probably why people are buying them, and they've been around forever. But they actually make rubber reinforced hoses now. So if you are going to replace it with a rubber hose, get a reinforced one. Right, but the thing is, in about three to five years, these can fail. The scary thing about these is when they fail... You might not know until it's way too late. It's not like the water is going to run when you turn on your washer when it fails. It's going to start running no matter what, whether the washer's on or off, because this is the supply to the washer. I had a friend of ours a couple of years ago, the hot water supply line broke. And there it is, pouring water all over his laundry room at a very rapid pace. He finds it. You know, fortunately, they were home, but it was hot water. So it was spraying everywhere. He couldn't get at it. He's throwing towels on it, trying to, you know, tamp it down a little bit so he could get at the um, shutoff valve and get things turned off. Finally, he had to bail on that and go to the basement looking for the main water shutoff valve. He wasn't sure exactly where that was. And, of course, in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Everything's chaos. (laughs) Yeah. And it took him a couple minutes to find it, get things down. But by then, he had almost $3,000 worth of damage to the laundry room. And, you know, a a main level laundry room is going to translate that problem to the lower level very quickly when the water starts dripping and running down. It can be a huge mess. So make sure you avoid that by keeping an eye on those water supply lines. Well, and I saw a good tip putting a date on the washer, just write it on a magnet and stick it there so you know the last time you checked it. Perfect. Do that. Make sure that everybody in the house knows where the shutoff is. Yes. You know, the the shutoff for the supply lines themselves, but also the main water shutoff. Because when I think about it, most of the time, who's going to be at home is going to be the kids. 
And if they don't know, yeah, I'm going to get text messages. <laughs> I'm going to miss those, Dad. The upper level is flooded. We've right? moved to the roof. What should we do? <laughs> I don't want to get that late. No. So make sure everybody's aware. Little things. These are super simple things to keep an eye on, but they will help you avoid a bigger problem, potentially down the road. Now, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be in the studio. Well, actually, on the phone with Lauren Figueroa Mm -hmm. talking about kitchen details that you're going to want to incorporate into that next remodel. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, when it comes to remodeling rooms of our home, mm-hmm. there's one room. I mean, the bathroom's important. Yeah. That's important. But I think the kitchen is probably the most the important. The kitchen is super critical. It's the hub of all the activity in the home for the right. most part. People always gather there, whether you want them to or not. Right. They end up in the kitchen. The kids are always getting snacks out, and you want it to be easy for them so they can get as many snacks <laughs> as possible as fast as possible, right? No, the, the kitchen is where everybody is. And if you get that wrong, it, it can really be depressing yes. when you put all that effort. And it's so expensive. Right. That's yeah, the other side of it. Well, anyway, we were talking about that and how we'd love to address that on the show. And you stumbled across a blog by Lauren Figueroa. Right. Uh, Eight details to consider including in your next kitchen update. Right. She's a local uh, interior designer. And we thought we'd reach out. And we've got her on the phone right now. Lauren? Thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we want to get to this blog post that you have about eight details that you've loved from past kitchens. But before we get into all of that, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what you do? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm an interior designer and decorator, and I work with clients really all throughout Michigan, but kind of focused on West and Southeast Michigan. So we'll do anything from a one-hour virtual consultation on up to taking clients through a major renovation and furnishing their houses. All right. All right. Well, like we said, we've got this blog post that we stumbled onto, and we really liked it. And we thought we'd let you walk through it. Eight key design choices or details that you'd recommend Mm -hmm. people consider when we're looking at a kitchen update. You know, it's a big deal. Kitchen updates can be expensive. It's a key room. We want to get it right. So we're really interested in the things that jump out at you from past kitchens. So why don't you just run with it? Perfect. Well, I wouldn't say these are in any order of like best to my favorites or anything like that. But um, the first one I've got for you on the blog post is a counter to ceiling tower cabinet. Um, So that's where you take a cabinet, you you know, usually have uppers in a cabinet, but they don't always go all the way down to the countertops. Um, And I really love this look because it just feels very timeless and classic. Um, And if you don't have a lot of room for uppers, that gives you another, you know, 16 inches of storage space um, that you wouldn't have otherwise. Do those usually have glass doors? I mean, it seems like it could feel heavy um, going all the way down. Yeah. So I've, when I've done it, I, you know, hadn't thought about that question before, but when I've done it, I have done it with glass doors, but I do see this design element without glass doors as well. So it's pretty versatile. Cool. All right. So counter to ceiling tower cabinet. That's cool. If I've got the space for it. I'm thinking about my kitchen right now. I'm playing it out in my head. (laughs) I love the idea. I don't know if I've got the counter space for it, but 
you're going to have to install counters so you can put one in. Right? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and in the spaces where we've done it, um, it's usually a kitchen that has like a massive kitchen island. So we're not usually worried about taking sure. up that extra bit of counter space. All right. What's the next one on the list? I, I yeah. can already see the list, but I'm interested in this one. So not that <laughs> yeah, I'm not so- interested in the other ones. <laughs> this one, though, kind of jumps out at me. Yeah. So this one is the classic farmhouse sink or um, otherwise known as the apron front sink. Um, this has been a super popular style, I would say, over the last maybe eight years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm seeing blog posts about how farm sinks are going out of style and i just do not agree um i think they're just such a great design element um they add like a little bit of um, variation in your cabinetry you know usually with you know an undermount sink it just runs straight through Um, but this brings just another little element and it can be so many different materials you can do them in stone or porcelain or concrete Um, yeah stainless steel even with the apron like that and i think they're a great choice. You well, mentioned, Dan, you're like, aren't those on their way out? Well, that's the thing. I ran into a, a bunch of articles about that in prepping for, you know, segments for the show years back. And yeah, I, I really like what you say in the blog post about how it doesn't matter to you if it's going out or whatever, because you don't design around the trends. And I think that's so exactly. important for everybody out there. We shouldn't design our homes around trends. That's such a mistake. Definitely. It is. It's a trap so that you'll have to redo it again in five years. It is a trap. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. That's not a bad idea. (laughs) No, that doesn't help anybody in the end. Those people who are writing those blogs, see who they work for. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So you're saying, and lots of people still like that look, especially, I mean, West Michigan, we're always a little bit slower to embrace the next trend (laughs) anyway. We're all safe. If we can spring it and make it work for our kitchen, and that's what we really like, we don't need to worry in any regard about the trends. Well, and like do you what said, works these for you. are so timeless, too. I don't think that there's a way. It's like subway tile. It's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. It's not really mm-hmm. going to go anywhere yeah, ever. Right. I definitely agree. <laughs> so the next one is open shelving. I have a whole bunch of people in my home. I've got questions about this, but I'll let you talk okay. about it first. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I love open shelving, but I'm a designer. So you do have to think a little <laughs> bit about whether this makes sense for your lifestyle. If you are a messy person and you just do not want to have to think about it, don't do open shelving. But if you want to have like even just one little spot, if you look in the blog post, the one the kitchen that I'm referencing in the blog post just has one little area where we have some open shelving. Um, it's really unique. It's kind of a, a custom shelf piece that we had made. Um, it's just sort of a special little spot to display some things that maybe you use all the time, but that are beautiful, or you could just style it out and never think about it again and just dust it once a month. <laughs> well, and I like yours um, too, because you have plants but, on it. And I yeah. think that's a great use for open shelving in a kitchen. I have plants in my kitchen and there's not really a great place to put them. They end up on the island or the table, but I like the idea of having shelving for them. Yes, definitely. I agree. I I am a plant lady, so (laughs) in the kitchen, I don't have any in my kitchen, but when we redo it, I will be including some. (laughs) So the way to go for somebody like me, and I'm not a messy person, 
But your kids are. Well, they're kids, <laughs> and they do their best. No, I shouldn't say that. That's no. being too kind. Some of them do their best. Andrew, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Some of the other ones just kind of phone it in. It's real. And they'll help me with dishes. They'll do things like that, and that's great. Well, they're helping because they're forced. But mm-hmm. putting them away, it's it's a hodgepodge. And so mm-hmm. it, I love the look. I do love the look, but I really can't find a practical way. What you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, for my situation, if I want to achieve that look, maybe I buy stuff I'm never going to really use that looks good. And I put it in there, and it's just for display at that point, right? Yeah, that's one way to go. I do love design to be functional. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, just it would just be pretty. Good... <laughs> yeah chunk of space that never you know it depends if you have a massive kitchen yes do things just for decorating but most of us don't have massive kitchens and so that's really prime real estate yeah that you're right um, that's tough yeah function's always the first question when it comes to design well and i think that's such a great conversation to have ahead of time because we do look at you know all joking aside we look Mm -hmm. at blogs we see this all over instagram and you know bathrooms wherever this open shelving look oh that's so clean oh that's so cool and so man, think about your real life. You know, yeah. open shelving in my bathroom. Oh my goodness, what the children would do. Yeah, we talked about this before. Yeah, you and I. Have. I was like, I would love it. I, you know, get boxes. I'd throw my junk in there. Yeah, you live and it in would a be fairy easy. tale land. I'm, yeah, we're just without children. All right. So yeah, <laughs> we keep, are as well. So the open yeah. shelving works. Yeah, keep those things in mind. Let's see here. What, what do you got next on the list? Yeah, next up, I have wood floors in the kitchen. Um, So I think this one's probably debatable depending on your preferences. But Mm -hmm. um, now the trend with kitchens is to be open to a dining room or a living space. Um, And so if you were to do something different in the kitchen, it's really going to chop up your floors and visually make those spaces not feel as open to one another. I think some people are nervous about wood floors in the kitchen because of, you know, water and moisture and keeping it clean, um, which is a fair thing to be worried about. You don't want to just leave water on your hardwood floors, um, but but they really can handle a little bit. Um, And if you want to achieve that really nice flow, um, don't be afraid to run that wood floor from your living space into your kitchen space. All right. We're on the phone with Lauren. How do I say your last name again, Lauren? Figueroa. Figueroa. Yes. I know. I wanted to do it, Haley, but I was playing it through in my head and I knew I was going to fail miserably. <laughs> Roll so, the R. <laughs> yeah, we're on the phone with Lauren Figueroa, interior designer, and we're talking about a blog post that we stumbled onto, eight key details that, Lauren, you've loved from past kitchens that we should at least consider if we're looking at an update for our kitchen. We're halfway through the list, and we're all the way through the segment. So I'm wondering, Lauren, can you hang with us over a break, and we'll pick up the other four items on the other side? That sounds perfect. I'd love to. All right. We'll be back in the studio in just a minute, finishing up this list of key details, key design concepts for your kitchen. Right, Haley? Yep. Yeah, you're just nodding at me like I'm nailing it. Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, you're picking up what I'm putting down, and (laughs) we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. 
And we're back, and we are, well, not in the studio, but we're on the phone Yes. with a, a, a new guest to us. But I think, Lauren, you have moved up the list to maybe the top <laughs> favorite name of anybody we've ever had on the show. Lauren Figueroa. <laughs> that is so fun to say now that I figured it out. Yes. <laughs> well, I really... can't take credit. It's my husband's name. But... <laughs> well, it's still really Fair good. Enough. So kudos, <laughs> kudos to him for having such yes. a good last name. Anyway, Lauren, you're a designer. You work out of the West Michigan area? Yeah, so West Michigan and Southeast Michigan, we recently moved to the Clarkston, Michigan area, but we do a ton of work still in Holland Grand Rapids area. Yeah, and we've been talking about a blog post that we stumbled onto on Mm -hmm. your website, Eight Key Details, when you're looking at a kitchen update, key design Mm -hmm. concepts to consider. We've walked our way through four of them, the first four. And we're going to get the next ones and the the next one on your list. And if you missed the first segment, you're just going to have to go back and, and catch it. And you can find it <laughs> online at repcolite.com. But the next one, number five on the blog post list is deep windowsills. And this is something I never would have even thought about, including mm-hmm. in a kitchen remodel. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I I feel the same way until I was able to incorporate it into a project. Um, and now this isn't going to work for everyone because most houses don't have exterior walls that are that deep. But if you okay. can incorporate it with maybe a bay window or something, um, the project where we did this, it was a condo building. So we had deep window sills and we decided to pull our countertop right over them and have that sort of nice flush look and they were so helpful for storage we were able to put plants there and different kitchen elements Um, they really act sort of to go back to one of our other ones um, that we talked about as like an additional open shelving spot oh good my Um, children would have places for pencils and erasers (laughs) snacks empty packages yeah see i I love it though it looks really cool in the picture that you have on the blog Mm -hmm. post and i yeah my first thought was, how do I do that if you know I don't have windows that I could just adjust in that way? But I like the idea of doing kind of a bump out bay window as a compromise if you already have yeah. kind of a set footprint. So island seating, that's another one that I think a lot of us would love to have and, and mm-hmm. we do think about. Or do you run into that in your work that people don't consider this as often as we might think they do? You know, people do consider it. It's maybe an obvious one, but it's definitely one that you should include. Um, even if your kitchen is a little bit smaller. So like our my personal kitchen is a little bit smaller, but we wanted to incorporate an island and we don't have much of an overhang, but we are always standing by the island. Mm-hmm. So we brought stools in anyways, <laughs> even though there's not a ton of room. If you can find something that's a little bit narrower, that doesn't take up a lot of space or even have them pushed up against a wall elsewhere so that you can pull them out to the island, you're going to be there anyways so why not have some seating um, that makes it comfortable for people when they're hanging around yeah I think I'm gonna do this I have a little island you know really small we've got a pretty small footprint and it's even on wheels so we can move the island out of the way when we need to oh nice but I like the idea of just having stools around so that you know when people are over we can just pull them up And that's another space. Yeah. And it depends on the guests that you have. You could actually roll it out under the driveway and let them eat there. Right? (laughs) I mean, like a little mobile bar. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you eat outside? (laughs) We're just going to stay inside and just lock the doors and leave the island up by the house when you're done. 
So, yeah, I like that. Uh, mom, mom has that. I don't have an island at all in my kitchen. It just doesn't lay out that way. It's been a yeah. dream of mine to have an island of my own. In any an way. An island I'll, of your yeah, own. <laughs> in any form, I'll take an island. But yeah, everybody collects around that space. So the seating, that, that's key to work in if you can. Now this next one, the stone backsplash. We've got some questions about that. Haley really likes this idea, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I think it's so simple and seamless, but I'll let you mm. describe it for us, Lauren. Yeah, so I think the most common thing to do with the backsplash is you have your countertops and then your backsplash is some kind of a tile that coordinates with your countertop. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing a lot of, um, and I don't know that I would call it a trend, but I think it's just another option and people are discovering it um, to take the same countertop material and run it up um, the walls, either behind your range or depending on if you have high ceilings or not, running it completely up the wall. Sure. Um, it's just a very seamless look. Um, you are incorporating one less material. So if you like a very simple look, that's just a way to simplify the space visually. Um, it is more expensive than tile typically, you sure. know, if you're going with a marble or a granite. Um, but even if you just have it in one spot as sort of like a feature, um, we have one house right now where um, the range is sort of set apart from the rest of the counter space um, but in sort of like a niche. And we're doing the stone there so that it feels more like a focal point. And then we have the tile on the other parts of the backsplash. So it's just kind of okay. a fun way to mix things up. Yeah. And especially, I think, in a small space, too. If it's not going to be such a giant investment because you don't have a ton Mm -hmm. of square footage, now you're not adding another material where that kind of breaks up the space even more. In a small space, it's really distracting sometimes. So I love this idea for, you know, working with a smaller footprint, too. Mm, Definitely. You make a good point. And then the next one I really like. This is something that I've (laughs) talked to Dan about because I wanted to root tree branches. But you said the cut branches is a centerpiece is a really good idea in this blog post. And I love that idea. Yes, I, I adore this one. And I mentioned before that I'm such a plant lady. Too. <laughs> so <laughs> any way that I can bring the outdoors in, um, I've loved. Um, in this particular kitchen, um, this is when we were living in Grand Rapids and we had a massive willow tree in our backyard. And willow oh, tree cool. branches do root very quickly. So you could put them as your centerpiece and then they'll start to root and they'll live for a long time. Exactly. As I love your centerpiece. That. Then you could plant them later. <laughs> sounds like a challenge. You say they'll live for a long time. I bought it what, are, like a what did I tell you I bought? A, a little bonsai tree? Oh yeah. You pick like the well, hardest like things though. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's the problem, right? Because yeah. that thing was yeah. dead in two weeks. And you know what? Nobody has has buried it yet or whatever we're supposed to do (laughs) so it's still sitting on my yeah i I know it's sitting there just my failure is right in front of my face but you think and i and i don't want to do just fake stuff right you're talking real greens at this point cut branches okay so the willow stuff you think i could pull off that's relatively straightforward Yeah, but the other thing is, you know, when you're going for cut branches, you're not really trying to have a plant that's lived living a long time. You know, this is going to be it's like cut fresh flowers. You just want them there for a week, and then when they start to wilt, you 
toss them out. Oh, this is and perfect for me. Right. I can just roll through the living things and transfer <laughs> them to another state of being and just go get new things. <laughs> well, it could go either when way you're doing and it's still pruning. successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So many different things. A great article. I love that last one because it's so inexpensive. It's so... Right. Yes. <laughs> it's not the obvious thing, you know, definitely not the obvious thing I would have thought of in eight design concepts for a kitchen. I wouldn't have thought of that mm-hmm. one. Some well, of the other ones. So much warmth. Color, warmth. What, what, the, what did we talk about a couple months ago? Your big thing. Feng, oh, feng shui. Feng shui. Yeah. Feng shui. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time I got yelled at for using uh, fake plants in my decorating. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we Literally. also got a studio plant when we did that episode. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that stayed alive as well. Anyway, Lauren Figueroa. Did I get that right? You did. I did mostly, I think. Anyway, <laughs> if our listeners want to reach out to you, talk to you, maybe hire you for a project, how's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, just our website. So that's uh, LF, as in Laura, Lauren Figueroa, lfdesigns.co. All right. Perfect. Lauren Figueroa from Lauren Figueroa Designs or LF Designs? Um, Lauren Figueroa Interior Designs, oh, but oh. I'll go by any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for talking with us today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much for having me. Now, all right, it's time for commercials, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about what you can do for your kitchen if you can't or right now aren't in the position to pull off a great big remodel. We're going to talk about some inexpensive ways to completely change the look and feel of that space. And, of course, it's going to involve paint. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, when I think about everything that we just talked about with Lauren, and then I think about my kitchen, because yeah. I like to make these things extremely personal, because right? that's it's how all about I solve <laughs> I solve my problems on work time. And that's smart. But anyway, when I think about my kitchen, I'd love to incorporate a lot of the things that she mentioned and talked about, but it's just, it's not a realistic situation right now. My kitchen, just to quickly explain it, it's the 80s oak or the the 90s oak or whatever it is. I don't know what time period. Yeah, 80s, 90s. Yeah, it's got that honey kind of a, Uh a feel to it. And there is a ton of it, a ton of oak. It The ceiling actually is even wood, a lot of wood in that kitchen. And for me to pull those cabinets out, which would be the ideal, and to reconfigure things, it's just not something I can get into right now. I just can't swing it. I don't have the time, all of that. And so for anybody in my situation, you know, yes, there's a dream list of things that we'd love to tackle. And if you're in the process of scoping out your future kitchen, pay attention to the things Lauren's talking about because you want to make sure you cover those. If you're not in that boat, you're not completely out of luck. No, there are still things that you can do, right? There are small paint projects that can make a big difference. Well, and some of them are big paint projects, Well, right? If we yeah. really want to be... Haley's <laughs> trying to, you know, uh, make the sale there. And it is. Some of them are small. Some small... Yeah, maybe you don't have a lot of cabinets. Right. <laughs> yeah. But even if you do have a full kitchen that you're thinking about repainting, uh, the cabinets there, you know, and we all know people who have done that, and we're all jealous of those people, right? Hopefully. Unless they really did a yeah, terrible job. Yeah, unless they did a horrible job. Maybe we're not jealous of that. Most of the time, we're a little jealous because we see what they've done, 
we know they gutted through what we perceive is a terrible project, mm-hmm. and they've hit the other side, and it looks so different. And that's the beauty, and let's just start with that. That's the beauty of a paint project in the kitchen. If you're tackling your cabinets, the remarkable turnaround yes. that you'll experience, it's its a completely different kitchen when it's done well. Right. I mean, that's the amazing thing that color can do is it completely transforms the space. And cabinets is not out of the realm of anyone's skill set. We can walk you through these projects and we'll get into some of the key considerations right now. But this is definitely a project to consider if you're not in a position to do a full kitchen rehaul. Even just hardware can make a big difference. Hardware. And the other thing I want to say before we get to those key considerations is that even if you're sitting on a situation like mine with oak, you know, a lot of us hear rumblings that you can't paint the oak because it's not going to look good. You're going to still see all that open grain. Sure. Okay. Right. It's not like a birch door that's going to be smooth and look great painted. The oak's going to show all that grain and all of that. And yes, that's true. You're going to see some of that. Now, what's interesting is it's actually trending to see some of that graining right? yeah. in the oak. So you'd actually be on trend. More importantly, if you get it painted and you put new hardware on, chances are you're not going to see that graining when you just look at your kitchen. No. When you and really I still examine think it, it, looks good. Yeah. Well, think about it. When you look at your kitchen right now, if you look at those doors, mm-hmm. you see all this graining because there's a dramatic difference in color between yes. the closed grain and the open grain. The open grain's much darker. It gives you the, you know, just the the contrast. When that's all one color, now the only thing you're seeing is the texture that shows through and it's dramatically minimized. So you can have great results even if you've got oak cabinets, but you do want to Focus on a couple of key considerations to make sure the project goes smoothly. Right. And the first considerations are going to be the right products, the right tools. But first, with products, primer. (laughs) We all have the idea that we don't need primer necessarily, that it's just this extra thing. But really, it makes a huge difference, especially with cabinets. Right. You've got one shot at doing this. And and that's going to play out into a lot of the things that we're going to talk about here. One shot at doing it the first time. And if you skimp it, Mm-hmm. Skimp by and try to make something work. It can work. Right. But if it doesn't work, the fix is way complicated. Yeah. Because how do you get that finished paint off and get down to exactly. a sound surface again? Well, I've got a friend that lives in a rental and they started cleaning the cabinets when they first moved in. And the paint just started peeling off in sheets. So they had clearly not prepped or, you know, primed the cabinets. They didn't the put cabinets. the paint on. The paint was they already there. They didn't do the paint. They just, they're just cleaning they're it just and the cleaning paint's coming it. off. Yep. So it's, That's the first sign that something's not right there. Yeah, that prep shouldn't was happen. not done. <laughs> and then what do you do? How do you get all of that paint off? Because you can get the parts that peel mm-hmm. off, you put new paint on, and the parts that didn't peel off earlier then can start. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to be in that boat. No. Do the prep work and use the right products right from the get-go. Like Haley's mentioning the primers, we could go into them, and we have on the show. We've talked about all the different primers that are out there. But really, right now, we just want to say almost every kitchen can be somewhat different and unique. And the the cool thing is, no matter what you've got going, there's a set of products that will work to get you where you want to be. Exactly. So bring in a door, you know, pull a door off, bring it into the store. Let us look at what you're working with and we'll direct you to the right products. But we've got regular primers. We've got bonding primers like yeah, sticks. Yeah, you've got a super shiny cabinet finish and you need paint to bond to that. You have to go with a bonding primer and sticks is the perfect option. It sticks. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and we've talked about it in so many situations. Sticks is great for so many projects. Just be aware there's this bonding primer out there called sticks. And if you're worried about what you're painting, mm-hmm. you might want to ask about it. 
and you know that might help you solve your problem. It can work really well for kitchens and cabinets and stuff like that. Another primer that sometimes becomes required right. in a job like this is bin primer. It's a white pigmented shellac, and its main claim to fame is it will cover and seal stains in, like water stains or smoke stains or tannin bleed through. Yes, that would be the kitchen cabinet situation where you have this wood that's actually going to release some of those tannins and bleed through the paint potentially. So you've got to seal that in and bin is a great option for that. Right. And we can walk you through that in the store when you come in and just talk about the project. Primers, moving on from there, finish paint. Using the right finish paint can make a huge difference, not just on how well it holds up in the future, but even how smoothly the project goes. Yeah, this is a completely smooth surface, typically. So you're going to see every brush stroke if you don't use the right paint. Advance, for example, levels out really well. It's so easy to work with. It's an oil-water hybrid, essentially, is how you can think of it. It's got all the great features of an oil-based product, where it levels out really nicely. It's going to be a really hard finish for your cabinets, but it's still water cleanup and low VOC. Right. It sounds a little scary. Whenever you tell people it's a modified Alkyd. You yes. know, it's got the benefits of an oil, soap and water cleanup like a latex. It seems a little strange. It's so simple to work with. I've had people who are brand new painters mm-hmm. who came back and said it was the easiest paint they've ever worked with. I love it. It flows out so well, self-levels beautifully. That's advanced from Benjamin Moore. There's also Scuff-X. We talk about it all the time. We're seeing that used more and more on cabinets and trim. That's another option. Repcolite makes Optima. And that is a super high end. It's the best thing we produce. And in fact, we talked about it, what, four weeks ago or so on the show? Yeah, probably a month ago. The president of the company, Dan Altina, came on and said it's the best thing almost anybody anywhere can produce, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're using the top of the line ingredients to make it. It's going to hold up remarkably well. That's Optima. Check it out in the stores. Ask about it. The big thing here. Use the right products. Don't skimp on this step. Right. Especially because these cabinets take a beating. I mean, we've got sticky hands on them. They're opening and closing on a regular basis. So use the right product. But then use the right tool when you're applying the product, because that's really the other half of this project is the applicator that you're using. If you're using you know, a really cheap brush or a cheap roller that you're going to get all this shed from onto the finished surface, I mean, all of your... Money spent on product is just out the door now. People, You've got to redo it. Right. People don't think about that. I don't think about that. You know, But when you say it the way you said it, you can buy the best paint that money can buy. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look as good as the applicator you use to put it on with. Exactly. So you can save, and we've all done it. You right. Know, I've done it in, maybe not in paint, probably in paint, but for sure in other aspects where I've cheaped out on something, and it's affected the thing that I spent the money on. Just to save a couple bucks. It's not worth it. Use good tools. You'll not only get a better look, you'll have a better experience putting it on. Oh, absolutely. It completely changes your experience as the painter. So you've got all of those things, the right tools, the right paint, the right products. You've got to make sure you do the right prep work. We don't have time to go into it now, but there are a set of steps that you need to do. And we're hearkening back to that thing we said at the beginning. If you do the foundational work and you do it poorly... You know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. (laughs) It's leaning because the foundation wasn't set correctly. That's why it's leaning. Now, that one turns out to be kind of cool. Yeah, now it's his claim to fame. Yeah, but you don't want that kind of thing in your kitchen. If the foundation is bad, it's really tough to fix it. So just make sure you do the right work. Now, we'll walk you through everything you need to know about this. If you just stop out at the store, you can chat with us online at repcolite.com. You can email Haley and I, radio at repcolite.com. We'd love to help you 
get into a project that will really change the look and feel of your home. Now, that's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch it again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City Paint Stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.